Welcome to Hope for Today, a weekly Bible teaching program that will bring you hope for every day. Hello and welcome. Thanks so much for joining us on Hope for Today. We are honored to be here with you and look forward to our time together. Today, I'd like to encourage you with some feedback we received from our listeners. It was encouraging for us to hear, and we trust it will have the same effect on you. And if any time you would like to share your story with us, that would be great. Stay right there, and at the end of this program, I will give you several ways to contact us. We would love to hear from you. Let's go to India, where we have this story from a university professor. He heard the program on social media. After listening for a few days, he called the producer and inquired about Jesus. I know that Jesus is only a social reformer. How can he be God or son of God? A man cannot be God. The producer guided him in what the Bible says about Jesus. Now he's found the answers in the scripture. He says, your programs help me to know Jesus in the true sense. Wow. Thank Jesus for his great salvation. We are humbled to partner with him and trust that he will continue to use this program to glorify himself. He was right. Normally, man cannot be God. Jesus is the only one who has ever truthfully made this claim, and he gave us the evidence to support it. Again, we thank you for joining us and trust that you have been encouraged by hearing from our listeners. Now, if you can, open your Bible to Exodus, and let's give our attention to Pastor J. Mark as he shares today's lesson with us. There are many religions in the world, and some of those religions have secrets which only the members may know. To become a member, you may need to go through some secret rites of initiation. In some religions, Members are required to practice their faith behind closed doors, not out in the public. Some of these religions have various levels of practice that exclude the common people. If you watch a follower of a religion like that, you may not know what he or she believes, or whether or not they believe anything. One of the significant facts about those of us who follow Christ is that we live our lives in the open. There are no secrets about following Jesus. Our holy book, the Bible, is available. It's not restricted, except, of course, by governments and men who are afraid of its message. You and I can both read from the holy book of the living God. It's open so that you and I can learn. Its message is available to all, all who take the time to read it and meditate on it. And there are no secret requirements to become a follower of Christ. But you and I must remember that the God of the Bible is perfect and he is holy. Because he is a holy God and because he was coming to the people of Israel to live among them, he set up certain barriers that would keep reminding them of his holiness. I'm happy to tell you that in Jesus Christ, those barriers have been taken away. And now the holiness of Christ is granted to you and me by our faith in him. However, we must still come to God in reverence and holy fear. The barriers to God 
were set up in Exodus 26.31-37 to cultivate in the people of Israel a sense of holy fear and reverence. So let's learn about those barriers. Listen as I read Exodus chapter 26 and verses 31 to 37. And you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen of cunning work. With cherubim shall it be made. And you shall hang it upon four pillars of acacia wood overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold upon the four sockets of silver. And you shall hang up the veil under the clasps, that you may bring in within the veil the ark of the testimony. And the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy place. And you shall put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. And you shall set the table outside the veil, and the candlestick over beside the table, on the side of the tabernacle toward the south, and you shall put the table on the north side. And you shall make a hanging for the door of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen wrought with needlework. And you shall make for the hanging five pillars of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and their hooks shall be of gold, and you shall cast five sockets of brass for them. These verses inform us that God employed certain requirements to help us better understand who He is. The first requirement the Lord made was the division. The inner veil was to divide between the holy place and the most holy place. We learned in our text that the space was divided in a ratio of two to one. In other words, the holy place was twice as big as the most holy place. The most holy place was five meters wide by five meters long by five meters high. That would make it a cube, right? In that most holy place, the Ark of the Testimony was to be placed. That was the only article of furniture that was to be placed in the holiest of holies. And then the mercy seat was to be placed on top of the Ark of the Testimony in that most holy place. And we speak of this as the mercy seat, and at the same time it was a seat of justice. Here was where God would meet with his people in their great need for atonement. Now remember, no one was permitted to enter into this most holy place except the high priest, and he could only enter that place once every year. So there was a division that the inner veil created between the most holy place and the holy place. The holy place was the entrance, or like the foyer, to the most holy place. It was five meters wide by ten meters long by five meters high, so it was twice as long as it was wide. And in this room stood the table of the bread of fellowship, or the table of showbread, and the golden lampstand signifying the light of revelation. It was here that the presence of God was revealed in the table of fellowship and the lampstand. Into this holy place only the priests were allowed to go. The common people like you and me would never have entered that part of the tabernacle at any time. And then there was the outer veil, a hanging for the door of the tent. It was to be blue and purple and scarlet, of fine twined linen wrought with needlework or embroidery. So this hid the holy place 
from the curious gaze of those who were looking on from the outside. We have here the description of two hangings, two veils, one before the most holy place and one before the holy place. Those veils I have called barriers to God. The next requirement the Lord made to help us know better who he is was the decoration. God chose to make himself real in the presence of his people in every detail of the decoration. There was meaning even in the colors that God required. Blue points to the heavens, purple to royalty, and scarlet speaks of sacrifice. Gold and silver in their purest state are the precious metals. And then there was the brass or the bronze, a blending of copper and tin. I'm sure that the inside of the tabernacle must have been a very beautiful sight. Those curtains were to be embroidered with skillful needlework, the cherubim on finely woven linen. There was order and beauty in all this decoration to remind the people of Israel that God was living among them. You know, there was no clashing of art or clashing of colors. Everything was skillfully blended together in a completeness of beauty and order that's very hard for us to imagine. So God wanted to make his presence among them orderly and beautiful. That's because God is beautiful and God is a God of order. For those who were privileged to minister in that tent of meeting, the beauty that they saw there would remind them of the majesty and glory of Jehovah God. This requirement of decoration would help his people better understand who God is. And then finally, there's another requirement the Lord made to help us know better who he is, and it was the deterrent. You see, there were certain reasons why these veils were to be constructed and hung before the most holy place and then the holy place. Each section had its own function. Worshippers were to know and remember that God is real and that God is holy. The veils teach us the reality of God's holiness as he came to dwell among his people. In these deterrents, God helped Israel to know that he is approachable, but that they needed to come to him in a proper way, in the way that he prescribed. You and I must also understand that God is approachable, but he is holy. Let's think about that veil which separated the holy place from the most holy place. In the temple, which Israel built in the time of Solomon to replace the tabernacle, there were these same veils. They followed the same pattern that God had given to Moses in building the tabernacle. So they divided the temple into two parts. They used the same ratio of dimension in building the temple so that the most holy place was a cube just like it was in the tabernacle, and they hung a heavy veil between the most holy place and the holy place. Now the New Testament informs us that at the time of the crucifixion of Jesus, that veil that was hanging between the most holy place and the holy place was torn in two, and it was torn in two from the top to the bottom. That was a divine act of God to show that he is approachable. And we're told that even a yoke of oxen could not have torn that thick veil. So it was definitely supernatural. The tearing of that veil signifies that you and I can come to Jesus. At the same time, the veil indicates that we are not fit to come to God's presence without some preparation. 
God is not approachable until we have met the necessary requirements, but he is approachable when we come in the way that he has prescribed. Under the old covenant, you couldn't come to God without shedding the blood of an animal sacrifice. Today, we come to God by faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Friend, you can find God and he can be real to you. The barriers to God have been removed. So why don't you come to him today? Thanks, J. Mark, for this teaching. And thank you for being here for this teaching from God's Word. As we are going through this section of Exodus, I am so thankful for the completed work of Jesus Christ. Through him, we have confidence to enter God's presence. He has opened for us a new and living way. No longer do we have to abide by the Old Testament standards. Hallelujah! Jesus Christ is the way. If you have questions or if you'd like a copy of today's teaching, here are a few ways you can contact us. The best way is via email. Our email is hope at heraldsofhope.org. If you don't have email, you could write to us. Our address is Hope for Today, Box 3, Breezewood, Pennsylvania, 15533. Or you can contact us on our website. Our website is heraldsofhope.org. And on our website, you will find other teaching similar to this one and other helpful resources. Please look around while you are there. And if you go to the Connect tab, you can message us directly. Again, the website is heraldsofhope.org. Thanks so much for being with us. We look forward to next week and hope you will join us for more lessons from Exodus. I will finish with a verse from Hebrews 9 about Christ's finished work. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, he entered once and for all into the holy place, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption 